the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Rob Black and your money. And now, here's Rob Black. Interesting day on Wall Street. First and foremost, some of the headlines. Well, heck, let's go back even a day. Super strong start, collapse at the end. Today we get Fed retained $600 billion bond buying plan to boost the economy. You get Best Buy plunging the most in eight years after cutting profit forecast. You get uh, Barack Obama set to meet Bill Gates and Warren Buffett on boosting the economy. After last week meeting with Bill Clinton, some crazy stuff. Uh, U.S. retail sales. Let's start there, I think. That's probably the best place to start. Sales at U.S. retailers increased more than forecast in November. Optimism amongst small businesses rose to a three-year high. The eight-tenths of a percent gain in purchases followed a 1.7% jump in October. So October and November look pretty good. There's no question this is going to be the strongest quarter for consumer spending since before the recession. And that's going to be good. The economic recovery is continuing, though, at a rate that has been insufficient to bring down unemployment. That's the, gosh, that's the thing we continue to look at. Businesses don't really have the pricing power right now to pass on higher commodity costs, and they don't really want to get into a, a war with each other. So they've seen a little bit of uptick in costs and a little bit of a downtick in productivity. A little bit of a downtick in productivity should lead to a pickup in labor. We'll talk about that because it's it's far from said and done, if you know what I'm saying. Morningstar came out with a report today that said mutual fund and exchange-traded fund asset flows for November 2010. After contributing $26.8 billion to long-term funds in October, investors added just $2.7 billion in November. That typically the pattern of outflows for U.S. stock funds continued. Investors also lost enthusiasm fixed income funds. Money market funds were the direct beneficiary with inflows of $24.7 billion. So people are putting their money in cash. That's the craziest damn thing I've ever heard in this type of stock market, which is good because most people are wrong more often than not. See other big stories out there today. The Fed Open Market Committee statement. Treasurers reacted to it. They saw a sharp sell-off following the meeting. The long maturities are being hit the hardest with the 10-year Treasury note down more than a point. The 30-year Treasury down more than two points. Yields of 5, 7, 10, 30-year maturities are anywhere from 13.7 to 20.7 basis points. Um, the aggressive selling in the longer maturities has run the 2 to 10, 12-year spread. And it's just now just 10 basis points shy of an all-time steepest level. Where am I going with this? Because I want to try to stay in an area where you, you'll grasp what I'm, I'm trying to teach or you grasp what I'm trying to educate. This is an economy and this is a stock market that is, well, let's see. Let's talk. The bond market, stock market. I tend to think the bond market's a little bit smarter than the stock market historically. 
So you'll see the bond market react to speeches. You'll see the stock market react to speeches. I tend to think the bond market's usually more right than wrong. You saw the bond market tick higher to 3.45% on the 10-year treasury. That's pretty high. That's getting now to the point with where the economy's working. Right around 4.5%, that's going to be a borrowing cost that's way too damn high. I just want you to spend some time today. Go take a look at a 10-year treasury bond. And for all I care, you can go to yahoo.com, plug it in, and you'll get a, a good solid eyeball of what I'm trying to talk about when the economy is good and do an overlay with the stock market and just, just study it for the last 10, 15 years and see if you can't pull anything out where it makes sense to you and when was the best time to invest and when was the best time to sell based on the 10-year treasury. GE said solid earnings growth in 2011. That's another reason we're having a slightly better than expected day, in my opinion, on the, the treasury. The treasury is telling us the economy is getting better. I don't know if you hear it. I don't know if you trust it. I don't know if you see it. Um, now, there is some relative steep curves here where it tells you uh, some money's leaning one way, some money's leaning the other way. It's not as efficient as it should be. Other big ideas of the day. Commodities finished mostly lower today. Industrial commodities were up 1.4%. Energy down 1.2%. Grains lost 1%. The volatility in March orange juice futures continued after they shed 4% to close at about 1.6 per pound, $1.6 pound. Uh, natural gas ended lower by 3.3% to 4.25. Natural gas, it, it holds 4. Whenever it gets down to 4, it seems to be a buy, but it never seems to get above 4.5. So forecasts were above average temperatures in the Midwest helped prices move today. Crude oil finished lower just slightly in an uneventful session. Um, cocoa did well. Cotton did good. Uh, platinum did great. Sugar, palladium, and gold. Gold is ticker symbol GLD. Palladium PALL. Sugar SGG. Platinum PPLT. Cotton is BAL. And cocoa NIB. Now you saw some weakness from natural gas UNG. Weakness from the grains JJG. Feed DBA. The gasoline commodity UGA was lower. Livestock and meats cow ticker symbol cow. So. Tomorrow, we're going to get some industrial production. That will be a big one. Uh, unseasonably warm temperatures in October lessened the need for heat and caused a steep 3.4% decline in utility production. So we're also going to get some consumer price index tomorrow. So that's the first thing you're going to want to pay attention to when you wake up and, and check out what we see. The Fed talked today, and they didn't really get any major surprises. By and large, is a pretty recycled statement i.e. the target range for the Fed funds rate was maintained at 0 to one quarter of 1%. It was noted that economic conditions likely warrant exceptionally low levels of Fed fund rates for an extended period. The FOMC reiterated its intention to purchase $600 billion of longer-term Treasury securities by the end of the second quarter 2011. Kansas City Fed President Honing was the lone dissenting vote here. The FOMC acknowledged again that progress towards its objectives of fostering maximum employment and price stability has been disappointingly slow. They talked about two directives that have contained a reference to a Federal Reserve statutory mandate, which strikes me as if the Fed is subtly saying, don't blame us. We're legally bound to take an extraordinary actions that we're taking right now. A lot of people think it's becoming political. No matter what the interpretation there is, no one will dispute the fact that the unemployment rate, 9.8%, is just too damn high. And the stronger economic growth is needed to help us bring it down. Overall, inflation trends continue to trend downward in spite of the surge in some commodity prices. That's largely owed to the part of an inability for producers to pass on costs, and the labor capacity is not really – it's restricted wage growth. Uh, 
Boeing did well today. Johnson and Johnson, AT and T, Merck, and Microsoft. Some of the worst performers: J.P. Morgan, uh, Coca Cola, Alcoa, Intel, and Bank of America. Let's see if I got. I'm just going through some uh, big stories right now. Uh, chances that the Congress is going to repeal the ban on the internet gaming today took a hit. There was a draft of a 2011 appropriations bill that does not include a repeal of the ban. There's just two must-pass pieces of legislation before Congress adjourns, which is the tax bill and the 2011 appropriations bill. The poker-only repeal of internet gaming was not in the tax bill, and all eyes have been on the 2011 spending bill. Um, this bill could still change between now and when it's officially introduced, debated, passed in the Senate, but this is going to be viewed as a negative data point in the Senate. Majority leaders reads quest to include a repeal before the end of the year. Despite not being in the draft, uh, they believe the push for po- poker-only repeal will continue. So poker, at some point in time, that's going to get legalized in the United States, and it'll be a way for some casinos to uh, run some tournaments online and make some money. So... For Reed and his state of Nevada, that would probably be a positive. Yahoo's just a freaking fracking mess. They said they're planning to cut 650 jobs, 5% of its workforce, part of its two-year turnaround effort. The company is set to make the cuts as early as today. CEO Carol Bartz, who joined Yahoo in 2009, made a large round of cuts last year. They shut down some underperforming websites. The company struggled to staunch such a migration of users and advertising dollars to Facebook and Yahoo!, who they Yahoo now sees Facebook as their biggest competitor. Um, I don't know what Yahoo does, but they're going to have to get sold at some point in time to Microsoft, Google, or Facebook, in my opinion. And again, uh, I don't know. History does show that the United States stock market may surge in 2011. 10-year percentage changes in the value of stocks have been negative since July 2008 based on monthly statistics. Now, figures of MIT dividend payments suggest that stocks are poised to rise for the next 10 to 15 years, which is interesting to note. Wall Street's most optimistic stock strategist for 2011 pointed to much more than a century's worth of market data to justify his view on how prices will surge for the next 11 years. So 10-year percentage changes in value of stocks since 1900 have derived with monthly statistics. History suggests to me that stocks are poised to rise for the next 10 to 15 years. Interesting. The guy's name is Binky Chada, and he's Deutsche Bank's chief equity strategist. He estimated the S&P 500 will end next year at 1550, uh, just below its record close of 1565. His projections is the highest by about 100 points so far. Stocks are cheap not only on a historical basis, but on a comparison with bonds. That's true. He reached the latter conclusion by comparing government and corporate debt yields with a yield based on operating cash flow for corporations. Look, I can make a case if we can get this unemployment down a, a point in, by 2012, I think stocks are damn cheap. So, And I, I think we do have a good year to year. So something to think about, no doubt. Apple did something kind of quiet. They introduced a mobile advertising network in July. They're expanding the system now to the iPad. They're marketing the hell out of Walt Disney's Tron Legacy. The ad is being featured inside some applications. It's going to serve as a preview of a broader rollout of an advertising network on the iPad next year. Disney and Apple are excited to debut Tron Legacy. Keep in mind, Steve Jobs is Disney's largest shareholder at this point in time. Apple's capitalized on the success of the iPad, the best-selling tablet device, to step up competition with Google and mobile advertising. Apple's iAd network was first introduced in July for the iPhone and iPod Touch. 
Companies using the platform, Nissan, Unilever, JCPenney, Best Buy, AT&T, and Geico. So it's worthy of note. So um, the promotion for Tron, the sequel to the 1982 film about a man trapped inside a computer. Help me! I'm trapped inside a computer! Includes videos and other features about the film. I like the interactivity of it, and I like where we're going, but I'm not going to get all that damn excited. Best Buy, the world's largest consumer electronic retailer, fell the most in eight years. This is so goddamn counterintuitive, right? Best Buy's biggest competition, Circuit City, went down, but what we're learning is Walmart and Target picked up the, the competition. So they, I don't own shares of Best Buy. I don't want to own shares of Best Buy. I think days like this make me say maybe it's a trade. Consumers bought cheaper models of flat panels, TVs with screens of 36 inches and smaller for 229 299 Rise of demand for smartphones and tablet computers also hurt spending on TVs. Walmart reported a solid increase in their uh, the plasma TV division. Target, there's some momentum in electronics due to customers seeking out like the Xbox Connect, the iPad, Amazon's Kindle. So they're all trying to compete and bring in revenue. And Best Buy, they didn't go deep enough into discounting on TVs on Black Friday. They're trying to protect their gross margin. And so it will be good for their profits, will be bad for their market share. Industry-wide sales at U.S. retailers rose more than forecast in November's holiday shopping got underway. But a little disappointing for Best Buy, the boys at Best Buy. I want to mention something that's kind of interesting that I hope you uh, can get something out of. People look for numbers to explain everything. And if I were to come down to four economic data points, productivity is going to be one of them. When productivity is rising, there's no need to hire someone. When productivity is falling, that's when you start seeing jobs recover. Non-farm payrolls, it's cliched, it's obvious, but they're jobs in the United States. These are two, non-farm payrolls and productivity, two of the simplest things that I look for. It's you know an important part of our story. Consumers, 70 to 80% of our economy at times, and they're in a deep hole right now. Another thing that I look for is home prices. Um, the S&P Case-Shiller Index of home prices, we seem to be getting another leg down in home prices. This has implications on consumer confidence and home equity values. It has effects on the wealth effect. It has a mini inventory cycle right now that's brought us out of the recession due to Uncle Sam's generosity, but there's some deflationary shock out of Europe, dramatic spending cuts on the state and local level, and home prices aren't looking all that great. Now, with that said, I'm looking at home prices, non-farm payrolls, productivity, and probably real consumer spending. So real consumer spending, it grew 2.8% in the third quarter. And again, it's just how much of our economy is about jobs and people spending. And we add more jobs when productivity goes down and we cut jobs when productivity goes up. That's why they say that jobs are a lagging indicator. It's because we wait for the productivity. So those are the four um, economic indicators that I look hardest at. And quite honest with you, I, I, I don't think you have to go any more hardcore than that. There's a new study out <coughs> that talks a little bit about the soda tax. And this is something that we've brought up numerous times in the past. And it talks about how this would bring in big revenue for the federal government, but people wouldn't lose weight. If you imposed a 40% tax on soda and non-carbonated drinks, you would raise $2.5 billion a year. It would translate into an average weight loss of about 1.3 pounds. The impact would be greatest amongst middle-income earners, and it makes less difference to the richest and the poorest. Politicians have proposed cutting food aid or taxing sugared beverages to fight obesity and reduce U.S. 
deficits. Studies showed that the effect of a so-called soda tax on weight loss is small. It still should be considered because the money raised could be used for anti-obesity measures. Almost 27% of American adults and 17% of children and adolescents are obese. Consuming a single soft drink a day, diet or regular, contributes to an array of obesity-linked health conditions that can hurt uh, the heart, lead to diabetes. So taxing all sugared sweetened beverages would be more effective than only taxing soda drinks because it makes it more difficult for consumers to substitute a similar product to avoid the price increase. The tax would have the least effect on the richest, 25% of the households, because they could afford it, and on the poorest, because they would get around the tax by buying generic versions, buying in bulk, or waiting for a discount sale. If you remove a subsidy to farmers that reduces the price of high fructose corn syrup, the main ingredient in sugar beverages, it would be more effective at containing obesity rates than taxing drinks. Um, so it's interesting. There's there's ways around it, right? I don't know. I just I, I see it. I talk about it. It's out of my system. Ten things you don't want to buy at Christmas time: computers. Best time to buy computers is back to school in August or Black Friday. You don't want to buy televisions. You want to wait till March after the Super Bowl. That's when you get your best deals. Linens. You can wait for white sales in January. Don't do them in Christmas. Discounting linens back, started actually back in the 19th century. Some catalog retailers started following suit, offering deals that come out at the beginning of the year. So look for discounts of 10 to 60% in January on linens. Tools, wait till Father's Day in June. Um, that's when you get your best deals. Snowblowers, buy them during the summer. Anything you need during the summer, buy it during the winter. Cameras? You might want to wait till February. That's when the electronic shows come out and you start seeing the newest cameras out there. You can get 30 to 40% off at that point in time. That's about all I have for you today. Take care. Have a good day. I will talk to you soon. Oh, don't forget to go to Mevio, M-E-V-I-O, M-E-V-I-O.com. Sign up. Give me some positive feedback. Love my videos. Even if you don't love them, still love them. I need the support. Thanks very much. I will talk to you soon. And oh, by my way, my Mevio videos are Mevio.com under money or Rob Black in your money. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.